Second Corinthians 6, 1 through 10. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine, yet regarded as impostors, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Thank you. Well, good morning. In my first year at uh, Westmont College, I learned uh, real quick who the hard teachers were. And what I would do is uh, I learned also that you need to ask the upperclassmen uh, their experiences with teachers so that uh, you would know who the difficult teachers were at Westmont uh, College and to avoid them. Because, because when it came right down to it, uh, I didn't want to take hard classes. And I think maybe that was the case for many of you as you went to college. It's funny, my wife, uh, my wife loved those hard classes, those difficult classes. And I actually don't think they were difficult for her. Uh, she is the brain of the family, and thank God my children have that. But college courses are typically uh, very difficult. And uh, you go through college, and you're trying to make it through. It's definitely not high school anymore. My, my A average in high school went to a C uh, minus my freshman year. Uh, threw me a big curveball. And what we noticed around Westmont College is that there'd be kids you become friends with, and then the following year they weren't there. Uh, and you kind of try to find out why, and you found out they were failing. And so they dropped out uh, of college. So many drop out of school because it's difficult. And there's an ad running, maybe you've seen it uh, on uh, TV these days in Idaho. It says, Idaho is the 48th, ranked 48th in K-12 through education. It says, a current high school freshman, out of 10, there'll be eight who will get a diploma, four will go to college, and one will graduate. They just drop out. It's too difficult. And I think this morning as we look at 2 Corinthians 6, Paul is going to help us get through school. The school of the servant. The servant of Jesus Christ. 
Paul doesn't want us to drop out. Neither does our Lord. Paul wants us to earn our degree. Just like he was earning his degree. Earn our degree in Christ-likeness. With honors and faithfulness and obedience and character. And I believe that Paul wants us to see that the Lord has so much more for our lives as we work through school. There's intention. There's purpose. I think Paul wants us to see that we're valuable before the Lord. We have significance. That he wants us to see that, that we would live out and to help us live out all that the Lord has intended us to be, who he's created us to be to live out a life that is in service to him and to serve him with all of our hearts because of these beautiful lives that he's given us in Christ. So let me pray for this morning. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room as we gather to worship you. And Father, I pray that your your word would just be poured out this morning, that your spirit would teach us Lord, help us to, uh, to make it through this school of uh, being a servant of yours. It's difficult. Sometimes we don't feel like we can make it through. And yet you give us hope and you give us truth. And Father, uh, we don't want to drop out. So thank you for your word this morning and, and 2 Corinthians. Would you minister to us? And would we with our lives uh, serve you? We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. I wanted to, to uh, go back a little bit to some of the scripture that Jackson took us through last week uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. And he says uh, this in verse uh, 14. For Christ's love compels us. It, it's everything. It, it moves us, stirs us, constrains us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. You see, Paul has gone through school, and he's gone through school with Jesus, the rabbi, who got a hold of him on the road to Damascus, turned his whole life upside down. A guy who hated Christianity, and Jesus is going to take him to school, teach him how to be a school in the school of the servant. Of Jesus Christ. And he's learned some amazing things about God and about God's Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 15 of chapter 5 says, And he died for all, this is really key, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. One of the things that I want you to see this morning is that God has purpose for our lives beyond salvation, beyond our initial surrender to Jesus Christ. God has purpose for our lives beyond salvation. He wants to move us. The scriptures taught us last week that we are ministers of reconciliation. Like Brad was praying for those going to the Rescue mission this morning. Those are 
people who are ministers of reconciliation going to bring the word of God, the hope and truth of the love of God to people who need to know of his love. And it says we are ambassadors. It's actually a verb in the text. We ambassador. We go out into foreign country. God has purpose for our life beyond salvation that, that we would be ministers of reconciliation, bringing people into relationship with Jesus Christ just like we are. And now drawing them closer to him and walking this journey together, going through school together, the school of the servant of Jesus Christ. There's something that's wonderful that Paul wants us to see about the school of the servant. He wants us to know something about the rabbi. Look what verse 1 says. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. As God's fellow workers, just that verse alone should grab a hold of your heart. Sometimes we think we go through this school alone. We think that we have to figure it out. And God is speaking through Paul and reminding us that as we go through this school of life, learning to be a servant of Jesus Christ, we are fellow workers. We join together. We partner with, we cooperate with the living God with the rabbi, Jesus. We don't do it alone. It reminds me, uh, we, we've been building a, a deck on our, our backyard uh, during the summer months. And as we build the deck, I take my sons, and we get out there, and uh, we had to tear off an old deck and put on a new. And so there's a lot of different tools that we're using, and and some, some of these uh, screws that we're putting in are really long and, and they take a lot of effort. But what we do is we do it together. And there's a lot of times when my younger sons especially, they're trying to, they're trying to get that screw in, but it's either missing or they're slipping off the screw and, and it's just difficult for them. But we're like my younger sons. And as a father, uh, I respond as the Heavenly Father. Listen, son, this is how we screw this in. I'm going to hold this here. I'm going to guide your hand so you have a little more strength on it. But you're going to do it. And we're going to get this deck built. This is our life in Christ. Building together. His kingdom work being done. And how beautiful, isn't it amazing, when we're, we don't quite know how to do it, we're a mess, we're sinful, we, we, we're broken, and God wants to use us beyond just salvation. It's not just being a child of his, it's now, now I want you to have life in me. And so he's urging the believer, and, and sometimes this is a little confusing, uh, so I'll say it really quick. Uh, because the, the verses before say, be reconciled unto God. So there's some ministry there about, hey, we want you to, uh, as those who don't know God, be reconciled unto God. Have a relationship with God. And then as it gets into chapter 6, it talks about this is the day of salvation. And so you think there's a, a continued conversation with those who don't know the Lord. But chapter 6 is really 
uh, speaking to the followers of Jesus Christ. So I just want you to know that. And so he says, as God's fellow workers, what a beautiful gift that we get to do this with the Lord, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. It's kind of an interesting statement. As we go through the school of the disciple, don't take God's grace in vain. To, to, have something, to take something in vain has the idea of, uh, that it's empty, that we don't recognize the value. And, and I think in context, it's, it's actions, any actions that are taken which do not produce the intended result. That we're living life and it's not producing what God has intended for us. Don't take all that God has done for us and now not live out the life that he has for you. We're going to complete this deck together. I have purpose for your life. As you have received me as Lord and Savior, now to use your life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be ministers of reconciliation, to ambassador. I think Paul is concerned about the Corinthians, that they started off well, but that they're dropping out of school, and that they're missing all that God has for them. And I think that's, that's the case for us sometimes. We, we follow Christ, and then, and then life gets difficult, and then we drop out of school. They say, no, I have so much more for you. And I have so much for you in the middle of the trial, in the middle of not quite getting how to put the deck together. And so I want you to learn to trust me and listen to me, that God wants us to be ministers of reconciliation. I don't think there's a fear here that they've lost their salvation, but that they're not effectively carrying out the ministry of reconciliation. And I think that's a question for all of us at all times. Are we allowing the Lord to minister through us? Because the truth is, we are ministers of reconciliation. Because God's life lives through us. Because Christ is moving through us and is in us, and we in him. We are to ambassador to be ministers of reconciliation. Just think about that for a minute. Where is God using you to be a minister of reconciliation? We all have to ask ourselves that. God has life for us. It's not just, again, about our salvation. Philip Yancey has an article he wrote uh, for Christianity Today. It's called On the Grand Canyon Bus. And he says there was a bunch of tourists who were on the way to the Grand Canyon and they went through the, the beautiful wheat fields of Kansas and they, and they came by the glorious mountains of Colorado. But the thing that was strange about this bus tour was that their shades were pulled the whole time through all of this journey. They didn't look out and see all that was going on on their journey. Shades were shut. They were intent on the ultimate destination. 
of getting to the Grand Canyon, and they never bothered to look outside. And so as a result, they spent much of their time, he says, arguing over such matters as who has the best seat on the bus and who's taking too much time in the bathroom. And Philip Yancey goes on, some people in the church can resemble such a bus. We should remember that the Bible has far more to say about how to live during the journey than about the ultimate destination. Some people of faith tend to be either or. But the world does not need either or people. Rather, we need both and Christians. People devoted to God's creatures, devoted to God's children, as well as to God. And as committed to this life now, right in the middle of where we're at, as to the afterlife, to this city as much as to the heavenly city. We take grace in vain when we're living and not pulling up the shades. I think one of the other areas that we can take grace in vain, and I believe Paul is speaking to, is is that we fall back into legalism. We fall back into the checklist of following the rules. All that God did on the cross to pay the price for our sin, to give us life as we would believe upon him. And yet, we still say, we got to do this, this, and this, and this will get me right with God. And that's a tendency for all of us to fall back into, look at the Christian that I am and all that I am doing for God. We can take grace in vain. You see, the Galatians uh, struggled with this, and Paul, in the way he speaks to the Galatians, is similar, I think, to the way he's speaking to the Corinthian church. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, chapter 3 of Galatians, before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you receive the Spirit by your works? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by all that you did? Or by the law? Did you receive it by the hearing of faith? Having begun by the Spirit, are you being perfected? Are you growing? Are you maturing because of the flesh? Because of your works? And the answer to that is no. And the same wording here. Did you suffer so many things in vain? And he goes on in his heart for the Galatians and he says, listen, you were running well. You were running well. What has hindered you from obeying the truth? And that's the truth for many of us. We start off running well. And I hope, I hope God's word this morning will call you back to running well, to getting back in school, the school of the servant. Because the reality is things trip us up on the way. We struggle, it's difficult, and we stop obeying truth and we start trying to live in the flesh, and we just fall short. And you know, you know when you start living that way, just how it's really, it's a death. Everything is, is just empty. There is no life. There's no joy in Christ. There's no strength, spiritual strength. 
We're not depending on the Holy Spirit. We're just depending on us. And you're missing out on all that God has for you. Paul's word to the Galatians are to call them back. That they would grow into maturity. And that's, that's the goal. That's the degree that we would mature in Christ, this degree in Christ-likeness. And too often, we are saved, we have received salvation, we remember the moment at the camp we were at, or we remember the moment at the Christian concert we were at, and we walked up at church, and we were saved. And then that was kind of it. And God's saying, oh, I don't want you to receive grace in vain, and I have so much more for you. You should be growing and maturing. We don't want to become like the Hebrews where he's saying, you're still on milk. You should have meat as your spiritual food. As he's speaking, as he's speaking to the Corinthians here in chapter 6, the Corinthians have a need for salvation. Be reconciled unto God. They have a need for salvation. All of us do. And at the same time, there is a need for growth. They need to continue to hold on, to remain in the vine, that we would bear much fruit. That we would live out all that Christ has intended us to be as ministers of reconciliation. When we're not living that out, we're taking grace in vain. It's of no value. And I think Paul is trying to move us into living in the power of Christ. To be reconciled to God, yes, and to grow in maturity as believers of Christ. I do not, he says this, as God's fellow workers, again, God is working through this with us, we urge you not to receive grace in vain. He has so much more for us. For he says, he pulls out this this quote out of Isaiah 49. In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. And I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I just want to take that statement in and of itself for those of you who don't know Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died on the cross for your sin. He loves you so much you can't even believe it. Died on the cross for our sin so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sin. He paid it. And he rose again. He rose again. Conquering sin and conquering death. And he offers to each and every person his radical love of relationship with him as we would believe upon him. Some people, some of you, keep saying, well, I'm just not sure yet. And you keep hardening your hearts towards God. You keep resisting God. And he's, the truth is, and you know this, he keeps talking to your heart. He keeps ministering to you, showing his love for you. And you're like, you continue to just push him away. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to surrender your heart unto Jesus. 
And I just want you to sit with your Lord and just ask him to be your Lord and Savior, to invite him into your heart. Because today is the day of salvation. And let God give you life and hope and freedom from your sin. And let him love you right where you're at. Paul wants the Corinthians to know God and know his son Jesus and be reconciled unto him. But then he wants them to grow in the life of Christ. And so he brings out this quote from Isaiah 49. And I just want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn there if you would. It's a big, big book in the, in the Old Testament. Usually if you flip through, you can catch some of it. Isaiah 49. I want to read, you have to get a little bit more of the context and um, kind of trying to figure out what Paul's doing here. Why does he bring this in? Verse 4 of Isaiah 49 is speaking of Israel and the servant Israel. It also speaks, I believe, Isaiah 49 goes between the servant Israel and the servant, the Redeemer, Jesus. But in verse 4, he says, uh, Listen, uh, verse 3 of 49, says, You're my servant Israel in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I've labored to no purpose. I've labored in vain. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. The same, same kind of idea of taking grace in vain. I've been doing all of this unto the Lord of, of following him. And is it all done in vain? Of no value? What's the purpose? But then he goes on. In verse 7, look. And this is now, I think, he's getting into who Jesus is. The hope that Israel has. It's not all in vain. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see you and bow down because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. There's going to be a restoration of Israel. And this is what the Lord says. And this is where the quote comes from. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. To say to the captives, come out and those in darkness be free. So Paul draws on this. Don't take God's grace in vain because of all that I'm speaking about of what God did with Israel. You see, you thought you were toiling, trying to follow God, but God says, no, that labor is not in vain because there's one who is going to redeem Israel, who is going to be the Savior. There's one who's going to come in and restore you. And what Paul's saying in Corinthians 6 is, and today's that day. It's happened. Christ has come. And he has given you and offered you life. Today's the day of salvation. Don't miss it. Not only that you would be reconciled unto God because Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sin and he rose again, but now to live out your life in Christ. Today's the day of salvation. It can also be read, today is a day of salvation. Meaning, as ministers of reconciliation, 
go and minister the good news of Jesus Christ because today is a day of salvation. Our lives have so much more value. And one of the things that Paul wants us to see in this school of the servant is that we would live out this day of salvation. It's not just about being saved. It's about being ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's lo- the love of God constrains him. It compels him. He can't shut up about it. And his whole life is sold out to ministering for Jesus Christ because his life has been changed forever. And he needs you to know the same Jesus that he knows. Where is God using you to be a minister of reconciliation? It's not a little message. It's not something that, well, you know, if we have time, let's just kind of share it. Christ's love compels me. I no longer live for myself, but for him who died for me. And now that I've received salvation, I start to grow in Christ. I'm earning, I'm getting a degree in Christ's likeness. Amazing work that God is doing in us. He has so much more for us. You see, the Corinthians needed salvation and they needed growth and they needed to mature in Christ and they needed to know Listen, don't drop out of school of the servant because God has incredible life for you. Yeah, it's hard work and life is full of storms and it gets crazy out there. Don't drop out of school because you're going to know God in a deeper way. He's going to grow you up. You're going to become more like him. And we get to build together. He will never leave us nor forsake us. It's so important that we get this message and this truth out that people know of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so in the school of the servant, one thing that is taught is that your life matters. How you live your life matters to a world who is looking for life. Look what he says. Verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anybody's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. We didn't put anything in your way because we wanted Jesus Christ to be known clearly. He said earlier uh, in the Scriptures as we studied in Corinthians, listen, I, I, I earned, I could have earned a salary. I could have gotten some pay. That's appropriate. But I didn't even take it. You know why I didn't take it? Because it would confuse you. Because all the false teachers were out there and they're earning all kinds of money and they're living large and they're ripping you off. I didn't want to confuse you. So I was a tent maker. I I, I did my own living. Because I don't want anything to get in the way of you hearing very clearly and knowing Jesus Christ. This is happening so much today still. You know, people are so confused about who Jesus is because the Christian world is giving an image of Christ that is so contrary to who he is. I just got, praise God, I just got this Thursday, 
I got a whole packet Thursday. It must have cost actually a lot of money to even send this thing out. But I found out an incredible truth, which, I, I mean, I'm lucky I'm here to share it with you. But here, here is the truth, and, and this is going to change your life. Yes, this year, 2014, is the year of the double portion. Well, praise God for that. We are going to get doubly blessed. I think we're going to just be off the charts in our financial success and receiving of God. And so in order to remind me and to teach me all about this, they gave me, they gave me all the books. I mean, they've sent a lot of stuff. Uh, eight, eight pillars of money, how I can really receive that double portion that I'm intended to receive because 2014 is the year of the double portion. So at dinner time or whatever, you can use that, you know? It's the year. And, and oh, I mean, really, praise God. I got, I got this book, Unwrap the Genius in You. Unwrap the Genius in You. Well, hello, that's obviously been unwrapped already, so that's, that's not, even, not even necessary. I got the DVD to go along with it. And then this is the most important one, 99 Wealth Transfer, 99 Wealth Transfer Prophecies and Promises of God. And, and promise number 31 is the most important. He brought them forth with silver and gold. You know, in French, we have a word for this stuff. I'm not even going to tell you that word. <laughs> you, wonder, you wonder why people are so confused about Christ and who he is. Paul is saying, I'm not going to put anything in your way. I'm going to be very careful how I live because this message is so important because it will change you forever from the inside out and then you will start to live life free in Christ. Start to have joy in Him. Salvation in Christ. You know, it's amazing how many friends we come along and they're just angry at God. And I think, you know, and you probably asked this question, but do ask this question. If you find someone who's just really angry at God, just say, hey, did you have a, a church experience that really was, was bad? And you will find about 90% of the time, it was, yeah, they got wounded in the church. They got wounded deeply because of how Christ was portrayed there. Because leaders and people in the church were breaking their promises all the time. They were using people. They were being unfaithful. They were compromising truth. They were greedy. Many of the leaders expected special treatment. And start to minister the truth about who Jesus Christ is. And remind them that's not who our, our God is. You see, Paul is saying, I'm not going to put anything in your way because we want you to know real life in Christ. We want you to live a new covenant, freed in Christ. We haven't placed anything in your way to trip you up. It's contrary to everybody else who would modify the gospel so that it wouldn't be offensive. Or they would go with assertive leadership so instead of servant leadership. 
They would never surrender their rights when a life in Christ is all about surrender. False prophets that are wolves who feed on sheep instead of shepherds who feed the sheep. Paul is saying, listen, today's the day of salvation. You see, as ministers of reconciliation, we need people to know that the time has come. They need to know the love of God. You go ambassador that. But here's something I want you to know in the school of the servant. It's going to bring about all kinds of tough things. It's not an easy journey. But Paul is going to draw us close to Christ, that we remain in Christ, and our fellow worker, our rabbi, who's right there with us, he's going to lead us through the affliction and the trials. Verse 4, as servants of Christ, we commend ourselves in every way, in great, look at the, this is real life, this is real discipleship. You know, this isn't the stuff you see on Christian TV, which is all prosperity and smiles. It's real life. It's hard. But it's life-giving. And we can be sustained because Christ lives in us. I was in much endurance. That means I, I took it on. I stood my post. I was constantly under pressure. That's what the, the school of the servant teaches you. Because Christ's love compels me, I'm willing to be under, under the pressure all the time. And he, has, he speaks of these, these internal struggles that were going on. Things that would weigh on him in great, in troubles, in hardship, distress. Those are things that, that just attack against you, that go against you. A lot of it's just normal stresses of life, business and school. It has the idea, actually, the stresses has the, the idea of being pinned in like a tight space. You ever feel that way sometimes? It's like, yeah, you know what? I do go through this as a servant of Jesus Christ, but God is going to minister to me in the middle of it, and he's going to build character in me, godly character. And he's going to build, build life into me, and he's going to show me himself. He's going to reveal his power in me. So we put no stumbling box. We want you to know that this is real life. I was in beatings and imprisonments and riots. We have a young couple in the former Soviet Union in one of the countries there. And it's a primarily Muslim there. And they, they keep proclaiming the word of Jesus Christ because the love of Christ compels them. And so they were doing a camp sharing the love of Christ with all of these high school students and there was a spy, literally a spy in the camp who filmed all their stuff. And the spy took that stuff to the police. Next thing you know, they were going into jail. The police were interrogating them. And the husband who leads the ministry, he got word, listen, you need to get out of Dodge because they're coming after you. And he's all, all glory to God. Love of God compels me. These are young leaders. You've got to understand something. And they're young. And they're like sold out for Christ. It's convicting to me. So he has to go to another place away from his wife and his child because they're coming after him. Paul was beaten all the time. He was imprisoned. He was tortured. Everything was against him. 
And then on his own, in hard work and sleepless nights and hunger, I chose those things. I chose sleepless nights. I chose hunger because the love of Christ compels me. I am a minister of reconciliation. And I need you to know the love of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to demand anything from you. I'm not going to put anything that's a hindrance to you. But here's what Christ does to Paul and what he does for you and me. That he starts to build this character as we're faithful. Here's what he says. We started to live in purity. Here's what the refining work is doing in the middle of the affliction. In purity, that's right motives. Pure heart. In understanding this knowledge, knowledge of God's word and his truth. Patience, that's a, a long-suffering, especially in relationship with people who are really difficult. You got any of those? But because Paul lived in Christ and he didn't drop out of school... He allowed God to do that work in him. And he was starting to develop this patience. And then this gentleness, this kindness that was developed, that's, that's just a soft spirit. Amazing, even with difficult people, he was doing that. Here's the school of the servant. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to be really difficult. It's not all shiny, glossy. But here's the promise. You're going to give given all kinds of, of power and resource in Christ. You're going to be given the Holy Spirit, the paraclete who will come by your side. You are going to be given a sincere love. That's an agape love that just comes right through Christ. Truthful speech, that's actually a, a word, a word of speech, a word of God. That's as you, as you hold on to the word of God, as you learn about God through his scriptures, a resource for you. And ultimately, the power of God, the God who raises the dead, by the way, you have this resource in the middle of this affliction as you're in the school of the servant. Real life, God provides these resources for you. And he's doing this work in you, developing character and maturity and earning, getting you to a place where you're coming to a degree of Christ-likeness. The whole world is opposite of that. These last few verses of, of this chapter, 8 through 10, it's, it's a paradox. The whole world looks at us one way. They, they look at us as unknown, but the truth is we're totally known. Everything is contrary to, to how people think life should be lived. We weren't regarded, but we were, we were dying, yet we live beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich. That's the real life of the servant of Jesus Christ. It's a paradox. It's upside down. It's backwards from everything the world tells you about life in him. But we are going to live in Christ because today is the day of salvation. And we're not going to drop out of school. Because God's doing that beautiful work in us. And then he's using us to minister the love of Jesus Christ to the world who needs to know him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your life in us. I pray for those in this room who do not have a relationship with you. Would your Holy Spirit right now 
pour out upon their heart? And would they surrender their life to you? We thank you for your forgiveness of our sin. We thank you for life as we believe upon you. And we thank you that you uh, join us, that we join you as fellow workers of your kingdom work. And so, Father, we want to know how to live for you today. And we thank you that you allow us to be part of, of your kingdom work. And we find great joy in that. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for your word. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.